0: Welcome to the Refresh and Restore weekly devotion brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to the July 29, 2021 edition of the Refresh and Restore podcast. We're going to take a brief break from our study of the book of Ruth and have a look at Psalm 73:23 through 28. Here's our text. Nevertheless, I am continually with you; you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. <music> Greeting, Sojourner. As I said, we're going to take a brief break in our Ruth series. I feel like there's someone out there who needs to hear this, and if not, maybe I just needed to write it. I struggle. I just want to lay that out there. I I do. I I struggle. My mind is often a mess, as is my heart, and I don't have it, whatever it is, all together. I get depressed. I get stuck in my own head. I'm human. I'm a sinner. Like I said, I struggle. As I was reading the word and studying this morning, I came across this passage. Uh, initially, I was going to use it for an upcoming series, but I just couldn't get it to fit. I also couldn't get my mind and my heart off of two phrases in it that were specifically sticking out to me. That's nevertheless in verse 23 and but God in verse 26. So if you'll indulge me, I'd like to share a word with you today for those who struggle, for those who do not have it altogether. And it is my hope, dear sojourner, that you realize above all that you are not alone. Nevertheless, in the English Standard Version translation, the publishers titled this psalm, God is my strength and portion forever. That sounds so positive and so good. That's exactly how Psalm 73 starts out. Verse 1 says, Truly, God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. And that's good news if you're Israel or if your heart is pure. However, I feel we're more likely to fall in with the beginning of verse 2, which says, but as for me, one of my Bible school kiddos did an excellent job explaining what the conjunction but means. He says that it cancels out everything that comes before and replaces it with what comes after. So all that good news for Israel and pure-hearted folks is canceled out and replaced with a psalmist, and his name is Asaph. With his reality, Asaph describes his situation like one whose feet had almost stumbled or had nearly slipped, and what tripped him up was his own heart, because he was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. It sure, is easy to get tripped up for. For me, it doesn't have to be some outside stimulus to quote Tyler Perry. I can do bad all by myself. My own mind has a magnetic pull toward darkness. My heart is drawn toward sin like a moth to a flame. But what Asaph describes shows how disheartening our problem can be since he is jealous of those who blatantly work evil because they seem to be doing well. And you can infer that he's trying to do good and struggling at the same time. If you look at how he describes them, it doesn't seem as if they're doing well at all. He says they are not suffering and have all their appetites filled in verse 4. He says they don't have the same troubles as other folks like the rest of mankind in verse 5. But he also says that their pride and violence is all over them like clothing and that while they have their appetites filled, they're actually filled with foolishness in verses 6 and 7. And ultimately, he says in verses 8 through 11, that same foolishness leads them to mock God and mistreat others. Rather than see their plight for what it truly is, Asaph is blinded by his desire to have his own appetites filled, to have his own way. Instead of seeing the danger of their lifestyle, he sees them at ease, and as verse 12 says, how they increase in riches. He feels as if his pursuit of God was all in vain, because of how difficult it was to follow God rather than his own desires. I love the way that verses 16 and 17 transition and get us closer to today's passage. Here's what they say. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to be a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. You see, when he was wallowing in his sinful desires and flirting with following the wicked rather than God, it did seem wearisome. It seemed that way until he got alone with God in his sanctuary. Then the truth became clear. And that's how it works. When we're with God, spending time with him in his word and in prayer, things seem so clear. Yet when we try to live like the world, things get muddled. He was jealous of the prosperity of the wicked until he basked in the glory of the only righteous one. In the presence of God, he could see that those he was jealous of were on slippery places and headed toward ruin. All that prosperity they flaunted would be destroyed in a moment as God cast them away like one would a bad dream upon waking. More importantly, Asaph, because of the time he spent with God, saw himself more clearly and honestly. He began to discover that he was closer to the wicked than he was to the righteous one. He found that his soul was embittered. He was disheartened. But the good news is that through all of this, he was pricked in the heart, as it says in verse 21. To be pricked in one's heart is to be sharpened, honed, or taught. In his covetousness of the wealth of the wicked, his heart had become dull. He had grown weary of doing good. Not only was it good news that his heart was pricked and repentance began to occur, the fact that he could say, nevertheless, in the midst of those difficulties was good news. This is a beautiful contrast to his early descriptions of slipping and sliding, Because he realizes God was continually with him and holding his right hand, providing strength and support. He realized he was not going to fall, even though he found himself stumbling because God himself was guiding him. And he realized that striving after temporary rewards like what the wicked had could not compare with the glory that could come afterward from his God. but God. How easy it is to veer from the path. It does not take much to steer our hearts and minds in the wrong direction. After all, we're only human. Yet the closer we get to God and the more we realize that what the Bible says about Him is true, the easier it is to see our desire shift little by little from the fading temporary appetites of the earth to God. Asaph's desires shift when he realizes that there is no one like God and nothing on earth that can compare with him, in verse 25. The most common advice that you hear people give is to follow one's heart. But look at where following his heart got Asaph. He began to learn on his own what we can find in Jeremiah 17, 9, and 10, where it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Asaph could see how his heart and flesh would fail him. Verse 26. In fact, that was his reality, slipping and sliding on his path instead of following God on the foundation of his Word. The good news for Asaph and for us today comes in the middle of verse 26, but God. Remember that but cancels everything before it and replaces it with what comes after. The good news here is that God's strength replaces our failing hearts and minds. God becomes our portion, satisfying our hunger to replace our earthly failings and lusts. But that's good news. But for us, Asaph wraps up his psalm by sharing what God taught him through this tough and disheartening time, that salvation comes from God alone and that those who are far from him and unfaithful to him will ultimately perish, verse 27. That's bad news for those who don't know the Lord, but it is true. This highlights the contrast in verse 28 when Asaph says, But for me, it is good. Again, we see that but changes things up. Asaph's but for me shows that his faith in God, his nearness and relationship with him has canceled out the perishing that others would experience. Rather than desiring their wealth, he now takes refuge in the Lord God and sets out to tell of all his works in verse 28. We need the same thing for ourselves today. Maybe you're like me and you find yourself disheartened from time to time or depressed or in a funk or whatever you want to call it. The only lasting solution that I have found is that of Asaph to take up the wearisome task of moping our way to the sanctuary of God and letting him set us aright. If you're not saved, then you have nothing to set right. In fact, you need a new heart altogether. But I urge you, as Isaiah did in Isaiah 55, 6, to seek the Lord while he may be found, to call on him while he is near. God offers us the same help that he gave to Asaph. Yet we have hope that Asaph did not yet realize. God has already come down to help us in Jesus Christ. He has walked every path that we need to walk, overcome every temptation we will encounter and paid the price so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you belong to him but you feel like you're slipping, I want to urge you to reach out to him, to heed Peter's words from 1 Peter 5 verses 6 and 7 where he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Then we can learn to call out to Christ with the words of Asaph and say, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Amen. Thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout on our website, JustKeithHarris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts three and four, specifically Acts chapter four, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, repent therefore, And turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version, JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. And if you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.